Um, I'm going to transition to invite a good friend of mine up, um, Will Wilson. You might you might notice a, a few people here that aren't normally here. I don't, I don't know if you would notice that, but some really good friends of ours um, for years. In fact, my wife and I, um, and Stephen and Kelsey Collins, and then even more so Annie Prentice, who many of you know, um, have all in some different way grown up uh, in this congregation that, that's here with us this morning. Um, Redemption, nope, sorry, uh, Chico Evangelical Free Church, and specifically their firm f- family group is uh, uh, some, we, my wife and I moved there when we were brand new, newlyweds, married, and when we had triplets, some of you know, and ask, well, how did you survive that? Well, you look around. Some of the people who are here are how we survived that. Um, God really has, has blessed us with an incredible partnership that I'm excited for us to hear some more about um, this morning. So I'm going to invite up Pastor Will Wilson. Let's give him a round of applause as we invite him up here. There you go, Will. And since uh, oh, I think if I stay come, right here, this is perfect. No, no, Dave. you come up here. Another with, one no, down? No, 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 no. No, no. <laughs> no it's we're, it's important you be up here with uh, on the same step. It communicates like all the right things. Them. Yes. Um. So I actually have a clock here, a timer. Those of you who know both of us know we need that. Um. So um. Well, Will, why don't um you just go ahead and share a bit of who you are and why you're here? Okay. Well, let me start by saying any any way we could just borrow Jenny Bell for announcements at our church every week. <laughs> Jenny, you are incredible. You are incredible. If Dave's ever sick, she can just preach, I think, as well. So that would be great. No, we are very, very honored and very, very glad to be here. You're going to let her preach. I hear you up there. We really are. And the big picture would be this. 1 John 4.19 says, we love because he first loved us. So the 41 people that are here have been touched by God's love, and they want to spread that love. But how particularly we come to Tucson, and again, we do, we do have notes because it'll help us. But 20 years ago, I came to Chico as an associate pastor there and knew a young little girl named Annie Prentice. Her family had six kids, so I met her. She went away to college. Then about 14 years ago, Dave and Kira moved into Chico, and I met them, fell deeply in love with them, their hearts, their passion, their humbleness. They're just delightful people, and I know you know that. And then about six or seven years ago, we met Stephen and Kelsey Collins as Stephen was going to school at Chico State. So those five then decide they're going to leave Chico, if you can believe it, and come to the (laughs) desert, and they come out here to Tucson to plant this church. And so that's kind of how Archetype was here with them. Um, And then three years ago, we just thought, we want to be a part somehow. What can we do? And Dave said, just come, and we'll find a way for you to serve the city. And so we did, and we actually did some projects here on this school. And so this is our third year, and it's just uh, it's an encouragement to us. We're challenged. We're blessed. We leave refreshed every year we're here. Mm. And it's almost just by seeing this congregation grow and what you're doing. Mm. Wow. Man, that's huge. Um, so, Will, what are some things, you know, it's, it's a partnership, and we don't want to be all take, no give. Um, we want to really celebrate along with you all. What are some things that you're seeing God do that we can celebrate with you and also be joining you in prayer? Yeah, uh, thanks. Um, I, I wrote, I, it's hard to say, what do we celebrate? But one of our mantras is every member is a minister. That's just what we try to help our people understand, that there's joy in being a part of the body and using whatever gifts you have. So with doing that, another mantra we have, we stole this one from, I think, Chip Ingram, but it's dream a dream and build a team. And so we just encourage our people to look for ways that God might use them. So on this team here today, I'm just going to tell you, there's five people who have dreamed a dream and built a team. I won't tell you their names. But one of them had a dream of building a mom's group that would just equip young moms to be able to love their children, love their husbands well, to be able to, in a sense, understand the impact they could have in their role as a mom. 
And so that's a mom's group that's up and going, been going probably eight, nine years. That was one mom. We have a, a men's discipleship group that meets on Thursday mornings at 6 o'clock. Again, one man had a dream of that happening. But now there's a big group of men and a whole leadership team that are developing godly men who multiply themselves in the lives of others. But one man had that dream. We had another man who's here who has a dream just to find needs in the community and serve them. And he is an incredibly gifted young man, and he just builds teams, and they go out and find broken things in the community and fix them, usually construction-type projects. Then we have a young man on this team here that had a dream of building a, a team called Project 127 that just looks for needs in the church of maybe widows or single moms. Mm -hmm. And he has a team that whenever a need comes up, they send out an email. They say, hey, this Saturday we're going to do this, paint this house for this widow. Anybody can come, come. They show up, they leave, and the house mm -hmm. is done. Wow. And then the last one is there's three couples that have a dream of helping young married. So they have 42 young married couples with. They meet once a month. And they basically provide a meal for them, a very good meal, and then a marriage equipping. They just kind of say, let's keep our marriages strong. And so that's been the, that's five things we're celebrating because wow. those five guys are here on this group. So that's huge. I might, I don't know if we'll find a way. I, I don't want to make promises I can't live up to, but um, if there's a way we can actually get that list and somehow. Four, Stephen, four feet. You, four we feet. can distribute that somehow or make that known because, um, um, and, uh, and then, so Will, again, we said, earlier, like, we don't know what we don't know. We're a younger congregation full of, in some cases, though growing, amen, in this yes, context. Yes, you are. In terms of age. But um, there's a lot. Just we, you know, you've been a mentor, a good friend. Um, and so in ministry, you've been in this a long time and really faithfully serving. Um, what are some things you would, how would you kind of exhort and charge us, you know, to, no. to yeah. I appreciate that, that privilege. It. Oh, we got 14 minutes left? I took this off here, so I, I didn't want to throw you. Okay, we're. No, I'm, yep, I'm too. There's real quickly, there will be. I just put three things. And one, everything I have is basically stolen. But one is as a congregation, you can view yourself as one of two models a luxury liner, ocean ship, or a battleship. If you see yourself as a luxury liner, you're going to expect Stephen and Jenny and Dave to meet your every need. And you're never going to be happy. You're never going to really be a part of this body. But if you see yourself as a battleship of one mission, impacting the city of Tucson and the world, making it a better place to live, letting the gospel be known. Mm. Every person on that ship has a job, and you'll feel way, way more and more excited about what you're doing. So that would be one exhortation I give. Um, the other thing I would know is, as I know this man well, maybe not as much as you because I didn't have him preach to me every single Sunday, but I know his heart, and his heart is to balance perfectly grace and truth. And the only person that ever balanced that perfectly was Jesus. But I know he desires to do that. So I just encourage you, if you're a part of this congregation, and sometimes you feel he doesn't balance that, rather than just leave, just call him and say, hey, let's go to dinner, let's go to lunch, I want to talk to you about something, and let him explain maybe, because he might then be able to explain the balance of the grace and truth better. So that's just a big picture. I've seen people mm -hmm. leave churches, go to another one, and so just, just don't do that. Um, and then the last thing that I would encourage you, and I see so many of you doing this, but just move from these rows to circles somehow. Small groups, your redemption communities, tapestries, however you can get from rows and look in the back of somebody's head to a circle where you can look at their face, you're going to be better for it, and so will your church. That's it. That's all of it. Wow, man. Well, I, you need to keep going. I'm about to cry. I need to gather myself. Um, well, now, uh, Will, yeah, just thank you for that again. I mean, I won't go on because I will cry, but just, yeah, thank you. I mean, You're it's such welcome. an honor to be uh, in this partnership um, together. And um, so now Will's actually going to read Amen. the scripture for us as we transition um, into, so I'm going to ask all of us to stand, please. Is a, there you go. I already had to turn there. If you will um, please stand again as a reminder, we stand every week out of reverence and awe for God and for his word. 
Reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in passions of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were natural children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Please be seated. All right. Thank you, Will. So, yep, you can take that. Thank you. Let's all get, let's thank him again. And, and, um, and I know Will would be quick to share that applause. That's not just for him. It's for the whole, whole group here from, um, you know, Chico Evangelical Free Church. And they're actually, um, they're helping us um, in our partnership with Corazon Ministries, which is a um, ministry here in Tucson, um, seeking, I forget their kind of tagline, but basically uh, mostly in South Tucson and within the Latino uh, Hispanic community, um, they do a ton in really helping to connect and and build bridges, and our church is really excited to partner with them. It's a lot of like construction type stuff, which no offense to anyone out there, but um, our church is not, at least in terms of me, not gifted in at all. And so they bring a lot of people, they bring contractors, finances, things like that, and really uh, put a big emphasis in that ministry. So that's some more of the specifics of really what they do when they're here um, with us. So we're going to get into it pretty quickly, okay? It's going to feel like a little bit of whiplash and... um, I'll explain more about that as I get into it. So go ahead and turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, would you hold your hand up high and keep it up? Um, In español, si quieres la Biblia y no tienes, por favor, levanta su mano y diga español. Y si no tienes una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted. Y esta mañana estamos en Efesios capítulo 2. And um, again, if you don't, own a Bible, please keep um, this one, okay? We want to make sure everyone has a copy of God's Word uh, to, to have it seek deeply into our hearts. Oh, right here? You can, hey, I can help with this. Anyone else need a Bible? I saw some hands pop up right here, just in case. It's made me feel good. Front row here somewhere. Um, but anyway, um, let me give us some handlebars now for where we get into, okay? First of all, I do want to say, you know, you could turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to chapter 2. yes. We don't always, when, it, when it's a new chapter every week, we don't have to do that. But when it's like three months, we've been hunkered down in one chapter, it's, it's okay to do that, all right? Um, it's been, um, Ephesians, I just want to give us right out of the gates here, set us up well. Because Ephesians has been like this, kind of a sense of this mantra of praise and worship and joy. And then the reality of why that's such good news. And, and again, the good news is the gospel of Jesus. And in many ways, you need to know um, in order to rightly understand and appreciate the good news, the bad news needs to be reminded um, to us. And, and so really this morning is one of those mornings. I just really, candidly, it's, it's going to be likely a hard sermon to hear and, and honestly a hard one to preach, a hard one to prepare for, and yet absolutely essential for all of us to, to hear. And I say that not as an apology. Never ever would I apologize for God's word. Um, C.S. Lewis, a famous author, um, he, said the, he said the word of God is like a caged lion. The lion doesn't need to be protected. It simply needs to be loosed and the lion will defend itself. Amen? 
And so, and so we trust that as I, I'm going to pray and we're going to transition into our time here that, that God's word would be set loose and that uh, he would do his will with us. So this is what we'll see in these three verses this morning is that we desperately need a savior because on our own we are dead in sin. We are slaves to sin and we are by nature children of wrath. All right, let's pray together. Again, Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you're doing among us and in us and through us. Um, we pray and trust that right now in this moment that, that your spirit is here, that, that the Holy Spirit whom you sent, Lord Jesus, would do a work among us, that, that um, Lord, that we would hear the, the full counsel of your word, Lord, that we would um, not brush past the uncomfortable stuff, but that you would would guide us by the hand through these things and ultimately, Lord, lead us to a fuller understanding of the good news of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. All right, right out of the gates, let's get into it together. In verse one of Ephesians chapter two, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Dead. Our, our dead people don't diagnose themselves very well. So, so we need uh, God's diagnosis of us, of our situation, of where we are. Um, dead people don't choose life. They choose death. They're already dead. And that's, and that's simply where we are. And so even as we kick off into this, um, it, it, again, if you remember last week, there was this, this good news. We, we talked about Jesus being raised from the dead, right? We picked up um, or right in um, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20, just a, a reminder of where we were last week. And it was this, again, this, this mantra of, of praise. We even encouraged us when we take communion, as we do every week, to almost run to the communion table as a, as a reminder that, that of the life we have in Jesus, that though he has been raised from the dead and though we are naturally dead in sin through him, we too have life and to run before the table and to remember that. But And so right in verse 20, it, it says that, that, that the, that the the, the, the powerful works of God, his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. And as we read that, now contrasting to chapter two, there's this, there's this juxtaposition, this contrast of Jesus is alive. He is risen from the dead. He is seated authoritatively at the right hand of God the Father and you and I, apart from him, in and of ourselves, are, are dead and yet, that's not how we tend to live our lives, right? Even those who have put their faith in Jesus, we tend to kind of think of Jesus as kind of imaginary land, like he's there, yeah, we celebrate Easter, Christmas, these different holidays, these different things, but he's there, and though we don't really say it, we kind of functionally believe like he's dead, and we even maybe get stuck on the cross. He died on the cross, and we kind of stay there. And then we think, well, I'm alive right now. Like, pinch yourself. Pinch your neighbor. No, you know, like you're, you're right? We think, oh yeah, I'm alive. Like I kind of function in my world. I, I you know, operate right now in, in, this, in this place, in this world. Everything here is, this is life. And Jesus is at best in imaginary land. But, but again, that, that we need to understand that we have, um, and as we see here, that, that sin has distorted everything and it leaves us as dead and that means we don't see rightly we don't see 
clearly. All right, in fact, in, in, the, in the Gospels, often Jesus is talking, saying, he who has eyes to see, let him see. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And this is the, the understanding is that, again, in and of ourselves as dead, we don't see, we don't hear, we, don't, we can't assess our current state rightly. And I just want to say for a moment here, I want to speak to us. This is for all of us. If you're new, if you're new to Christianity, you're new to this whole church thing, and you're wondering how, how this all goes, I want to encourage you again, um, come. I, I want to even ask you and inv- invite you to come for the next three or four weeks, kind of through Easter, through, through Good Friday, through Easter, these things, because I don't want you to just leave here. I was trying to think of something that goes together that if you take out one ingredient, it would be really bad. I was thinking of like a 50, 50 bar or orange Julius, you know, if you just ate the orange, but actually orange isn't that bad, but you're still really missing out on the best part, right? The ice cream. Amen. But <laughs> Um, but in all seriousness here, again, like this all goes together. In fact, again, the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus is historically called the Christ event because they go hand in hand, the death and the r- resurrection of Jesus. You can't separate the two. You can't have one uh, as, as good news without the other, okay? And so that's where we are this morning. But again, God's diagnosis, hear me clearly, is that we are dead in sin, Sin, a word that's often thrown out there, very simply put, is not God. Sin is not the way it's supposed to be. Sin is God created us to have our identity and our purpose and our function and our relationship with him and with others and in everything that we do to flow out of who he is and his design and his purpose for us and that every facet of human life, our work, our play, everything would flow from that perfect relationship with him as he designed it to be and sin is Nah, we're good, and it, we'll, we'll take it from here, and we go apart from him, and all the implications of that. We're dead in sin, and we're slaves to sin, picking up in verse 2. Again, you're in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air. All right, that is, um, that's, you know how you would like use the phrase, like there's excitement in the air, right? On Thursday night, some of us know what it's talking about. There's disappointment in the air, right? Sad, sadness, um, grief, um, mourning. No, uh, but you know, there's this, this in the air, you know, this, this idea of there's, um, there's a, some, the, uh, a heaviness in the air. Well, that, that idea in the scripture is, is this is like the domain of where humans function. Okay, we use this phrasing here a lot of times of, you know, all of life. It's, it's everything where we function, where we live. This is the air. So when we read here that, that the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, this is, this is talking about the whole domain of human existence that has been affected and infected by sin. That every atom or whatever, I know we have some scientists here among us, whatever the smallest thing is, no jokes about your pastor right now. Um, You know, whatever the the smallest part and the greatest part on the micro and a macro level, everything has been been tainted by sin, by rebellion, by not God. Okay, and so this is saying that that all of that is, is now enslaved 
to this ruler, this foreign ruler, this, this, um, this prince of the power of the air. This is simply put, Satan and his demons. And that's something that in our world right now, okay, most of the rest of the world, they can talk about this. They, they love it. They'll, they'll get into this. They're not like us, but, but in our kind of post-scientific revolution, enlightenment kind of world, we don't really, really go there a ton. We just think, oh, that's, you know, that's kind of, again, that's pretend stuff. This is real. And, and though I think in our heart of hearts, we, we, that's not true. That's not where we really, in our, in our gut, we know these things, um, but in our, our function, in our confession, we kind of act like, oh, that's out there. And, and this is simply, again, that, that Satan and his demons are at work, that um, I don't want to pretend to have this all figured out, but that God, who is sovereign over all, right, we've talked about that a ton, we've been grounded in that, that he has allowed, uh, ultimately, for his glory and our good, and yet the reality of where we are that we have to acknowledge is that, is that we are under a foreign rule, an authority, Okay, and so to help us understand this a little, little bit better, I have this, uh, this, this graph for us to see. Um, one of my professors actually from Canada, um, Andrew Zanting, um, I guess Canada does contribute to this relationship every once in a while. And um, this is uh, Homer Simpson famously called Canada um, America Junior. Um, I don't know that Homer Simpson gets quoted a lot in church, um, but <laughs> there you go. Um, you can tell how I was raised. But, but this is a, a good picture, though, of the effect, again, when we will sing in a minute, when we hear this idea of as far as the curse is found, you see the, the effect of, of sin at work in three different ways that overlap. You have the world, the demonic, and the flesh. Okay, and so the world, right? We tend to think in, um, in like us here kind of hunkered down and the world is out there. Again, this whole picture doesn't adopt that, but the world is not just like everything outside those, those doors, okay? The world is the, the broken um, systems and structures on a, on a greater level when we're talking about politics, when we're talking about society, we're talking about um, the ways things even function in brokenness within homes, where there's sin, where there's been abuse, where there's um, authority and power and influence that has been, that has been uh, abused and has been distorted and, 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 and in all these different ways. Just the, the world, the, the messages we take in, sometimes without even thinking, we just consume, whether it's watching commercials or these different things, and just this is the world, okay? It's, it's again, the air that we're, that we're in, the waters that we're swimming in. And then connected to it, you have the flesh. And the flesh is this idea, like we even read earlier, where, where Paul is in R Romans 7, is talking about a wretched man that I am, and he's, and he's a new creation in Christ, right? The, the old is, is gone, the new has come, and yet this reality of, of being conformed into the very image of, of Christ, okay? So this is this ongoing process, this idea that, that we are a new creation, that we are now adopted, we're forgiven through faith in Jesus, that, that you can, um, you're, you, now God sees you and will see you ultimately, and your identity is promised and assured as, as a fully forgiven, um, restored, glorified child of God, okay? A co-heir with Jesus, as we've seen over the last couple weeks. But the fact as well is that right now, that because of 
of sin and because of um, we are born into it by nature and by choice that our flesh is still at war within us. And so that's why you have this idea of, again, we're swimming in these worlds of the water, and that's why this whole deal, I, I forget that, you know, like, you, you can't, you know, I forget, I'm about, the only one that's coming to mind is probably um, not super helpful, but right, you can't, you can't just, just kind of pluck you out of the world, and then, oh, you're good now. Just protect yourself enough from all that's bad out there, because there's still this reality of, of what is broken and distorted in here. All right, and so so this is that this relationship between the flesh and the world out there is is in a lot of ways overlaps, and that we we see commercials, we see these things, and sometimes without even knowing, it's tapping into something that's already here. And, th- and there's the one of the biblical words for this is idolatry, idolatry. In case you haven't learned how to interpret my stutter yet, say where. Where you want to, you want to, you want to center yourself and your life and your identity and your purpose around something other than God. It could even be a, a good thing. All right, it could be a very good thing. It could be work. It could be family. It could be your role as a pastor, your role as a, as a mentor, as whatever it could be. And it's centering yourself around that. And so there's this tear within us. It latches onto something. And says, "Oh, that's a good idea. That will fulfill me. I can center my life around around that." And now, hear me in this. You also have the demonic. Okay, you have the world world and the flesh and the demonic. And the demonic is, um, we've talked about this before, but I just, again, in our world right now, in 2018, Tucson, Arizona, educated, like we don't talk about this stuff that much. And it's, it's, it's the, the reality that God, um, that, that, that God created all things and that some of his angels who he created, the, the angel of light, Lucifer, um, led a rebellion, uh, and, and, he, and so that is Satan and his demons, um, a, a third of all the angels who rebelled against God, and the, and the fact is that their function right now is to attack faith, hope, and love, and to, and to attack God and his people, and, and now again, hear me on this, all right, look, look, look at me, Satan's goal is not to scare God's people, it's to impede God's people, all right? So if the best way to impede God's people is for us to pretend they're not there and to just be consuming and getting led all over the place, then Satan's like, I'm cool with that. Like, all right, whatever. You can pretend I'm not here. You can be, you can be intelligent, intellectual Westerners and just pretend I'm not there and I'll just keep throwing sticks in your way and tripping you up along the way. I'm all right with that. Okay, so you can probably picture this idea of the world that we're swimming in and you see something or you're in a context, you're, 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 you're tempted and it's tapping into a wound or a brokenness or an aspect of life that the good news of Jesus has not yet fully informed and transformed and you're, and you're tempted by that and your flesh gets on and then the demonic gets in and starts you know, chirping in your ear and saying, hey, that's a good idea. Or you're not really, you don't really live up. You should maybe um, ha- have, the, you should, you know, you're gonna get left behind. You're not gonna keep up. You need to, you need to kind of, it's a doggy dog world, right? You need to kind of adopt some shady, business practices ultimately so you can you know keep up with everyone else and you can see all just how it works it's and it could happen in a nanosecond all right a a good way to summarize this is actually over in Ephesians chapter 6 where um it's kind of a good a good summary and we'll be there in like four months okay or five months even so um we're gonna jump ahead you'll all forget it uh by the time we get there but I will too but um 
Okay, look, look with me though. This is a summary of the prince of the power of the air. Okay, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Okay, again, you see there's kind of a four-part um, d- description of, again, simply the prince of the power of the air. And simply put, the world that you and I operate in, apart from God's intervention, this is the world where we live. This is where we function. This, and, 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 and I hope this actually like pastors you for a moment because even this week I was in many conversations with people, kind of pastoral care conversations and, and even in my own heart, and my own family. And as we talk about this, how easy it is to simply distort this and to think, man, my struggle, this, this, this depression, this, 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 this terror I find my in, it, it's me, it's, we're kind of stuck here and, we, and we, don't, we don't even recognize and I think we do incredible disservice to each other and, and to ourselves by just not acknowledging the reality of the, of, the, of the slavery that we're in, of the prince of the power of the air, of the world that's around us that's saying you're not enough if you don't look like this person, if, you're, if your relationship status doesn't measure up, if you're whatever it could be, you know, and then to understand that there are these, are these demons, this demonic community set to just to, 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 to tear us down. Okay, to hear, like imagine those of us here who are parents and, and imagine someone just questioning your own love for your child and your child's identity as, as his or her relationship with you. Okay, that, that helps it sink in a, a little bit. That's what's happening here when we understand, no, you have been given a glorious inheritance as sons and daughters of Almighty God and then this demonic is coming and saying, no, nah, that's not right. That's not real. That's not you and tearing us down. And let me, again, let me give us a picture of this for a moment. The demonic, Satan, outside of God's intervention, all right? Sometimes, in, especially in like the more charismatic church where I spent some time as a, as a kid and um, can, in some ways, really gets this right. But, but sometimes it goes too far and you almost leave God behind and you start to get kind of puffed up and it's like the kind of scrawny kid that has a really big friend in the neighborhood and starts to get a little puffed up and sees how people interact with him because of his big friend and forgets it's all because of the big friend and the relationship with them. And then, you know, um, it's, and so this kind of idea here is that outside of God, the demonic Satan are terrifying, all right, we don't just puff up our chest, our chest and kind of, you know, think we're so big and so strong and start, you know, commanding things and forget that it's because of who we are in Christ, all right? There's these things, we would be curled up in balls if we interacted with the demonic in and of ourselves. But, all right, hear me, look at me right now, this is so important, but the reality, though, is that, is that this demonic, this whole structure we were looking at there earlier the, of sin, has already been delivered the knockout punch. Okay, picture with me, um, uh, you know, two boxers, a fighter, and one has already been just, you know, right hook, knocked out, and is on his way to the canvas and just kind of flailing on his way down. 
That's the reality of this demonic opposition that we face. Again, come back in six months when we really get into it and in in wearing the armor of God. But it's important, right, that we understand the humility and the confidence that we, we have because the warning here is, listen, the, he's still flailing punches. Yes, he's on his way to the canvas. He's already been knocked out once and for all. But don't forget where you are lest you just walk straight into a punch. All right, so that's the warning here. And so again, let's hear me now. If you and I are too comfortable in the world, we should be warned right now. If it's really easy and you're just thinking, oh, this is really, I just, I, I really kind of gel really well. I gel perfectly with all the, all the systems and structures. I navigate this thing perfectly. It's just, it's not difficult. I never come up against opposition Okay, take this as a warning and evaluate some of your life. And uh, have, you, have you grown too comfortable navigating the, the, the uh, living under the prince of the power of this air? And, and on that note too, hopefully really caring and pastorally, hear me on this, for, for those of us who are seeking to grow in Christ and have entrusted our, our hearts to him and are walking with him, it might not get easier. Again, I talked about depression, struggle, anxiety. In some cases, that's actually might even increase as we continue to press into the, the opposition that we face and to, and to live as ambassadors or in some ways as foreigners in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in the kingdom of this world and, we're, and we are living as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. It's, it might not just get easier. It might not be a neat, clean you know, uh, walk, if you will. And and so I hope that encourages us to press all the more to cling to Jesus with confidence and yet with humility. And then ultimately here we see in verse three that we are by nature children of wrath. Man, I got carried away there. I actually lost my, my page here. All right, verse three. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Let me, let me say something there for a moment because Ephesians is so clear about this. The overall theme of Ephesians, there is an, an aspect of r- reconciliation here going on. Where, where Paul, the fact that he says in which we all walked, okay, remember he's talking to people from different sides of the aisle, from different races, from different socioeconomic bath, b- backgrounds, as he's talking about Greeks and Jews here. This is like crazy talk. It's his foreign language that someone would include everyone in this. Okay, so again, God's language of him forming a people is incredibly important because even in his diagnosis of our, of our desperate place of being children of wrath, he's saying everyone. Again, all the other stuff that was written in that time and what's referred to is, is, the, is the first century church or in the intertestamental period as it's often called. Um, you would... Did we just say something about demonic? I mean, I don't remember, you know, mentioning that. It's just total coincidence right now. All right, we got some, some faithful folks going after it. All right, we'll wait until we're actually told if we really need to do that. I know Raul and some folks there are doing that. I'm going to just pray right now. Let's do this. I'm going to pray again and transition. Okay, let's get into this again. Again, Father, um, thank you that you are in control, Lord, that um, we don't have to be. 
And uh, even this, just uh, unplanned illustration of, uh, um, obviously we don't, we take you seriously, but not ourselves. And I, I don't want to though just pretend like it's not connected to uh, just this spaghetti bowl of the reality of where we live. Um, even, I'm sure the teacher set off, I think I actually even know even there, Lord, someone we love and get to support as a teacher pouring into our, our, our kids and, and even in many ways partnering with us as we say for Jesus' glory and the good of Tucson, Lord, let us, let us love well, not be jerks about it or anything like that. So um, yeah, uh, again, Spirit, um, uh, you've been here all along, so I don't need to say proceed, but thank you for overseeing our time, and we continue in dependence on you. Amen. All right. Um, so there's an inclusivity going on there. Thank, let's thank all these people who just got out of their seats and ran to help. Um, all right. Yeah. Thank you. So again, there's an inclusivity there. All right. The good news is for everyone. The bad news applies to everyone. Also, right, it says, by nature, we are children of wrath. By nature, all right? You don't have to do something. You don't have to strive to become a sinner, right? You have, it's by nature and by choice, all right? And again, this isn't something like, picture with me being in a raft in a lazy river, right? You're kind of just floating along. You're not, you're not trying to do it. You're in a conversation. You look up. You've moved down river, right? Downstream. Um, you, you've been going all along. You're not, it's without, without effort. You, that's the, the reality. Again, you and I um, are not neutral, Okay, we like to think, even in the last couple weeks, I'm gonna, and again, I know this isn't necessarily popular or easy, but even as we talk about our relationship with God and how we come to faith in Him, we, we fancy ourselves greater than we ought. All right, we think too highly of ourselves. And I think what Ephesians, in really more than many, many places, actually kind of puts us in check. It says, listen, God is God and you are not. And, and it paints this picture, the author here, and I think through God's, through God's authorship here, he's given us a, a clear picture of ourselves and our desperate state without God's interve- intervention. Again, we like to think, oh yeah, I would choose God. And we read things like you're dead in sin, and we think, well, what is dead? In the Greek, what does dead mean? It means dead. All right, it, it means, like, it means right there, again, and dead people don't help themselves get undead, don't become alive. It's this picture here. And again, our nature is as children of wrath and that we need God to enter in. This is this idea, again, we've talked about that's been kind of summarized into this idea of total depravity, okay, of we, we can't help ourselves. We are in a desperate, a most desperate state. As someone once said, and I love this, um, he said, listen, if, if sin were blue, we'd all be Smurfs. All right? Or if for some of you who are younger and like, what are Smurfs? Um, if sin were yellow, we'd all be minions. All right? And I don't know why they all have to be short things. But still, the, 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 it's just true, right? We all would be this, right? We are all, by nature, children of wrath. This is our current state. We don't have to do anything to be there. In fact, though, we need desperate, we desperately, we need help to get, to get out of this out of this place, and so um, we deserve God's wrath. Now, let me speak to that for a moment, all right, as we kind of land the plane here together. 
When just thinking about ourselves, when just looking at ourselves, we like to think, well, God, you know, is that just? Is that good? But as we step back and we evaluate the whole situation, the most good and loving thing God could possibly do is to pour out his wrath on sin. Okay, if you've experienced sin uh, against you, even as you think about it, 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 the sin that you and I have committed, the brokenness in the world around us, not just the ones we're more comfortable with, amen, come on. Okay, am I alone? Is not just the things that we think, oh yeah, work, you know, oh yeah, of course, I would never do that. I've never killed, right? And sometimes in conversation, you talk to people, well, what do you think, God, how do you think God views you? You know, how would you enter into a relationship with him if you were to die today and, and God were to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would he say? A lot of times, again, you know, people are like, well, I've never killed anyone, I'm a pretty good person. It's like, oh great, so you wanna, we wanna worship a God or even talk about a God who's, who's got the bar set so low that murder is really how you evaluate, right? A holy and just and righteous God that, that everything is meant to reflect him and his goodness and then as we press in as we have to the, the far-reaching effects of sin, it, it is good and just that he would pour out his wrath on sin. And I can't say that without acknowledging that that's what he did on his only son, Jesus. As Jesus hung agonizing on the cross and cried out as we'll, sell, as we'll, as we'll remember and press into on Good Friday, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? The wrath of God poured out on his only son. And so now as we prepare to respond, as we prepare to come before the Lord's table, as we do every week, we could really easily grow numb to doing this because we do it every week. There's a lot of good in why we do it every week. We celebrate it. We think we should. But there's also a danger that we could come up and just be kind of thinking and kind of, oh yeah, a little cracker and some juice and do this. And, 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 and yet, yet, for a moment, like this time, as we respond right now, I want to encourage us to sit in this reality. Next week, the first words we're gonna read are the best words you could, we could ever read, but God. Right? I don't wanna jump, verse four of chapter two, but God. But right now, in order for us to understand how amazing grace is, grace means undeserved favor, we need to sit for a moment and really press in and, 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 and understand the undeserved part. Right? In order for us to understand, as Will actually said from R Romans um, 5, 8, I believe, where, you know, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. We don't need to just be like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, but God demonstrates his own love for us. We need to sit for a moment and while we're yet sinners. All right, so right now, let us continue as we transition and to respond as God's people to the good news of Jesus Let's accept his diagnosis of where we are apart from him, our desperate need for a savior. Because in and of ourselves, we are dead in sin, we're slaves to sin, and we're by nature children of wrath. Pray with me. Again, Father, we, um, we trust you and your diagnosis of us. Um, Lord, I don't know where all of us are this morning, and obviously there was a little bit of a curveball from our perspective um, with that alarm thing, but Lord, you're at work. Um, we simply uh, surrender to you. 
Lord, we lay bare before you. I ask that every one of us, whether we call ourselves a Christian or a follower of Jesus or not, Lord, that we would be kind of laid before your diagnosis right now and that we would respond to you as you lead us to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.